everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. We're talking about over the next few weeks leading all the way up into Easter Sunday. We getting pumped for Easter Sunday or what? Like, I hope you are. This is a, what an amazing, incredible opportunity that we have to be able to share the evidence of the facts of that there is a Savior who loves you and who conquered the grave for you and for me so that you and I can know what it means to be forgiven and you and I can know what it means to have eternal life. Isn't that unbelievable? What a message. What a Isn't that unbelievable? Okay. I know, I know. I, I, it was just some of, there we go. It was like, you, we are forgiven and cleansed in, in, in our brokenness and in our shame. He said, I'm still going to be your friend and you're welcome into my kingdom. And I've prepared a place for you that where I am, you can be with me also, not just temporary, but forever and ever and ever because of the evidence of a grave that was empty. Isn't that unbelievable? What a message. What a message of opportunity that you and I get in this Easter season to be able to say to somebody, hey, um, Man, we, our, our church, they do a live stream. Uh, you can join us um, at, at our live stream at, at 9 and 11. Oh, but we would love for you to come in person. You know, you can say, I'll, I'll bring the donuts, you know, and, and, you, and, and you can come with me to church in person on Easter Sunday. And, uh, and, 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 and then I'm going to present the good news, like the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And then, then God's going to do the work inside of that person, and they're going to be changed forever. What? Why? Let's, let's be proactive about that. Let's say, hey, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to either invite them to watch online, or I'm going to try my best to get them to come with me in person. Hopefully, you're doing that. So um, that wasn't planned. Now this is planned. Um, we're talking about... Take courage is what we're talking about. Uh, we, we want you to take courage. We want you to know that there, and there's some reasons that um, the Apostle John wrote down some things that Jesus said. And, and it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit that he was able to remember everything that Jesus said. And, and, uh, and they, they, he, Jesus taught and said so many incredible things. They couldn't record it all. Um, and so John just recorded the things that, were, that he thought were most important for the listener, for you and for me. And so he wrote and recorded some things that Jesus said right, toward, right at the end before Jesus was betrayed, before Jesus was arrested, before Jesus was executed, um, and before Jesus conquered the grave. He wrote some things down that Jesus wanted us to know. Isn't that good? Like Jesus is thinking like 2,000 years ahead, uh, and he's thinking about you. He's thinking about you, and he, he's, saying, he's, he's thinking about you, and he's saying, this is what I want you to know. Like, this is what I want you to know of how you can, in the midst of circumstances and situations in life that um, we get discouraged, uh, circumstances and situations in life where we feel troubled, where our heart feels troubled, that Jesus is saying to you personally, I want you to take courage. 
instead of taking worry, instead of taking fear, and instead of taking stress, and instead of taking anger, and instead of taking resentment, instead of taking bitterness, I want you to take courage instead. And Jesus told him this, and this is sort of the the summation of of the whole series, but really what Jesus was trying to communicate to, to us. He says, in the world, in the world, you have tribulation. Now, I don't even need to take a poll to know that in the world, we have tribulation. Like, I, I, we could go around the room, we could spend the next hour or so, uh, we won't even take, I won't even take that long. Uh, but we, we, could, we could talk about your tribulations. We could talk about, you could, you could stand up here and say, this is what, in the world that I live in, in my little sphere, in my little bubble of my life, these are my troubles. These are my challenges. These are my tribulations. So Jesus knows that about this world. He knows that, there's, that this life isn't fair. He knows that things happen and circumstances arise that we wish never happened. We, we think, why did that happen to me? Why am I, do I have to deal with this? Why did I lose out on this? Or, you know, why, did, why am I, you know, bogged down or weighed down, you know, by this struggle? Jesus knows that. He knows that we are going to experience that. But he says, I want you to take courage. I want you to take courage. Why? Because I've overcome the world. I've overcome this world. And so we looked at last week, we looked at John 14. Today we're going to look at John 15 and what Jesus meant by and what this should look like when he means to take courage courage instead of taking worry instead of taking anxiety instead of taking anger what does it look like to take courage why should we take courage well jesus tells us that we need to do this that this is important for us to do he tells us this in in john uh uh yep he tells us to take courage so oh you're right i forgot this take courage um we we looked at it means to take heart to take heart, the, the same word for courage means heart, so to take heart. Um, but it also means, um, it, in, in some of your Bibles say, say it this way, be of good cheer. So we, whatever version Bible you use, maybe yours says take courage. That's what mine says, so that's why I named it take courage. Um, but yours may say take heart, which, which heart, our heart and our courage you know, are, are, say, come from the same uh, root Latin word. But then... It also could say, or translated to say, be of good cheer. So even when you go through tribulation, Jesus is saying, I want you to be of good cheer. Like even when you go through struggles, Jesus is saying, I want you to just be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So the question that I want to ask you here in the room and those that are, that are watching from home, where's your joy level? Where's your joy level? Now, I tried to get my daughter to help me out with this, but she just wasn't up for this. But I was willing to, so you can imagine this if you want yourself, I was willing to do a good cheer for you. And my, wife, my daughter's in cheerleading, and, we, and I, as a father, I've done, uh, uh, you know, a cheer with her. They have like a, 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 a dad-daughter cheer uh, thing for, for the football games, but I'll spare you that. You can just think about your favorite cheer and me doing it, and then laugh in your head, okay? So... But the question that, that, that most importantly, most important is, where's your joy level? Like, where is, where is it? I, I, you know, and, and again, it always, you know, happiness determines situation or circumstances, right? Like, when, when circumstances are bad, 
our happiness level is low. But when our circumstances are good, our happiness level is high. So we're not talking happiness. We're talking joy because Jesus would say, even when you go through tribulation, you can still have joy. Even when you go through troubles, you can still have joy. So the question is, the most important thing that we need to ask ourselves is, where is my joy level? Where's my joy level? We'll get back to that. John 15 says this, verse, starting in verse 1. Jesus said, listen, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, Jesus says something interesting here. He says, he doesn't say, I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine. Implication, there's also false vines. There's false vines. There's, there's you know, things that, that we're attached to or connected to, right? So Jesus is saying like, and so maybe we think in more in terms of technology. Maybe this is maybe a dated concept that Jesus' listeners at the time understood. But today, this is maybe more like Jesus is saying, I'm the power cord. I'm the power cord. I'm the source of the power for the te technology device that you use, specifically your phone. You, you, your phone is worthless unless it's connected to the power cord, right? So maybe this is, so Jesus is describing himself in that way. I am the true vine or I am the power source for how things work in your life. I'm the true vine. Other, but there's also other vines that don't work. So depending on what kind of phone <clears throat> you use, or depending on what kind of tablet you use or laptop you use, it requires you to have the right power cord, right? How many of you have ever like tried to plug in something using, you know, maybe a, your Kindle versus your, you know, Apple product and it doesn't work? They have different power devices. Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. Implication, there's false vines. So we live in a world of false vines. So there's our world. We live in a world of false vines. Here's my vine. And we have the tendency, we have a tendency to be connected to the things of this world or we, we try to pull our source of fulfillment or satisfaction or, or joy, we try to pull it from the things of this world. And so we try to, we say things like, if I just had a better relationship, that that would make me happier or that would give me fulfillment. If my relationships worked better, then I would be, I would feel better about my, my life. Or we say things like, my career, if I, if I moved up the corporate ladder in my job, you know, if I, if I was given the recognition that I think that I deserve, then that's what's going to make me happy. That's what's going to give me fulfillment. What, what those are, is those are false vines. We could go on and on. We could talk about you. We could talk about, you know, the way that you see yourself. You're, we, could, we could talk about finances. So you, you could say, if I just had more money, if I had just a better security, you know, if, if my 401k was better, if my investments were better, then that would make me happier. And what these are is that these are false vines. 
And if we think that we can find our satisfaction and our fulfillment as we're connected to the vine of the earth, as a matter of fact, if you want to read it later, it's, it's, it's interesting. If you want to read it later, Revelation 14 talks about one day Jesus is going to come back again and he's going to take from or reap from and, and, and destroy those who are connected to the vine. It's called the vine of the earth. That that's going to happen. And so there's, there's Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And the things that happen to us, and here's the things that we, what happened to us when we, when we find ourselves connected to the false vine of this world. We experience things like this. We experience immorality in our life, debauchery in our life, loneliness in our life, strife in our, in our life. We're, we're dissension with one, with one another. We, we feel jealousy. We feel anger. And, and we, we, are, we get, you know, succumb to addictions. This is what happens to people when they make their vine and it's connected to the things of this world. The world has its own troubles. The world has its own tribulations. What we do is we make it worse when we think that our life needs to be connected or we can find satisfaction in the things of this world. And ultimately, all those things will just lead to is it will lead to a harvest of this. It will lead to a harvest of this. And what happens, so, so the alternative is, the alternative is, Jesus is saying, don't be connected to, to the false vines of this world. Be connected to the true vine. Be connected to the true vine. But here's what you need to know when you're connected to the true vine. Look what Jesus says what will happen in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it has hated you. So Jesus is saying, here's what's going to oftentimes happen. When you connect to the true vine and no longer connect to the false vines, you're going to run into the, to a place where some people might think you think that you're better than them. You think that you have it all together. You think that you, your way is the, the, the right way. And all these things, and, and as a result of that, people are going to hate you for it. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, do you know that? You, you and I are not of this world. We're not supposed to connect our joy and fulfillment and satisfaction into the things of this world because we're not of this world. That your fulfillment, you, that there's still going to be that void inside of your heart and your life when you think, when you think that a better version of you is going to solve your problems or you think that more money is going to solve your problems, or you think that a better job is going to solve your problems, or you think that a, a, a different relationship is going to solve your problems. If, if, if we think that, we're connected to the wrong vine. We're connected to the wrong vine. Because we're not of this world. But I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. And that might happen. That might happen. But when we're connected to the vine of Jesus, so when Jesus is our, our true vine, as opposed to the alternatives of false vines, 
when Jesus is our true vine, then what we will experience in this life is we will experience the things that I exhaustively went over in 2020. <laughs> this list I spent all of 2020 going over. So if you want to know details and specifics of these things on this list, you can just go back to old messages at marketstreetchurch.org and you can go and you can find multiple sermon series based on all of these fruit of the Spirit. Shameless plug. But what we get is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control when we connect to the true vine. The true vine. This is what will produce in us as opposed to the alternative when we connect to the false vines of this world. Are you with me so far? Online, say yes if you're with me so far. So Jesus is, <clears throat> Jesus is saying, back to John 15, he says, if you were of the, John 15, verse 1, I'm sorry, John 15, verse 1b, yep. My, and then he says, I'm the, I'm the true vine, I'm the true vine, but there's, there's other vines, but you don't want to know what that will lead you down. He says, I'm the true vine, but my father is the vine dresser. My father is the vine dresser. He's the one that tends to the vines and, 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 and the branches. He's, he's the vine dresser. It says in verse 2, verse 2, every branch, so who are the branches? You and I are the branches. So recap, Jesus is the true vine. The father in heaven is the vine dresser. And you and I are the branch. We're, we're a branch. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He goes on to say in verse 6, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 8, he says, my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So let me just make uh, just say to you this. Here's what Jesus is saying in those verses. Jesus Jesus says, Jesus says it, it within that context talking about us as the as branches, he's saying this. Branches are either for producing fruit or they're pitched in fire. Branches are either for producing fruit or eventually they're going to be pitched into the fire. So there's, there's ultimately, there, at the end of the day, there's, there's going to be accountability that we're going to stand before an almighty God and he's either going to see those who, that have fruit, that have been producing fruit in this life, or those who have it and eventually are, they're going to be pitched into the fire. This is what we do in our regular lives anyways, right? If you lose a, br a branch off of your tree, you can't put that branch back on the tree. So what does eventually happen to it? You either bag it up and take it, you know, the, or, or you create a burn pile. And this is what Jesus is saying. Branches are either producing fruit or they're pitched in a fire. They're pitched in a fire. Here's the other thing that Jesus is saying. Branches that produce fruit are pruned for quantity and quality. So branches that produce fruit, they, God the vine dresser, the father, he prunes them. He moves away the, the, the weeds and the unwanted branches that are suffocating the fruit from producing more. So, so Jesus is saying, listen, what I want to do in your life 
what I want to do in your life when you're connected to the true vine, I want to produce fruit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. I think I forgot one. But I want to produce quantity and quality. That's why, so sometimes he'll prune things. So sometimes he'll cut things away. Sometimes he'll remove things out of your life. Sometimes he'll take stuff out of your life. Why? Not because he's mad at you. And that's always the, always the assumption that we take. God must be mad at me. God hates me. He doesn't love me. He keeps it. But God's saying, listen, no, I love you enough to want to prune some things out of your life so that you can produce greater quality and quantity of fruit. And the third thing that Jesus is saying here is this. Branches that produce fruit prove where you abide. And it praises our Heavenly Father. So when you produce fruit in your life, you show or you prove where you abide. When you're producing fruit in your life that people are going, wow, what love, what joy, what peace, what goodness, what kindness, what self-control. It's because you then begin to show people that you are connected to the true vine named Jesus. You're not connected to the false vines of this world, but to the true vine of Jesus. The common word that was used in this statement that Jesus is telling John, and John's writing this down, is the word abide. Abide. It's, it, it, it just means connected to, right? So just like a branch is connected to the vine or a branch is connected to the tree, it, it abides to that. It abides in that. So how do we abide in Jesus? How do we abide in Jesus? Here's a few things and then we'll go home. How do we abide in Jesus? Abiding requires cleansing by his word. Abiding requires cleansing by his word. So if, if you want to abide and make Jesus the true vine in your life and not connect yourself to the false vines of this world, then you and I, abiding requires cleansing by his word. Here's what Jesus says. Look what he says. John 15, 3. You are already clean because of, why? Because of the word which I have spoken to you. You know how you and I can get clean and, and, and abide in the true vine of Jesus? We have to be in his word. It has to be a priority for us personally. It can't be just something that we just take in on a Sunday morning or occasionally on a, on a one night, you know, midweek night. It's got to be something that we take from and receive from Every single day. So here's a, a helpful method. Um, I didn't come up with this method. I'm not really sure who came up with this method to give them credit. You can probably Google it longer than I did, but you'll be able to find it. But here's what I think is a helpful method. It's called the soap method. So if you want to be cleaned by his word, you need soap. Here's what soap is. Soap starts with scripture. It starts with scripture. You get open your, your digital Bible, whether it's on your phone and your tablet, or, or maybe if you have, you know, if you're old school and have like the ones with pages. 
You know, you, you open that up and, and, you, and you get on a plan, maybe find a plan. I mean, I, I'm telling you, there, in, in the day and age of technology, it's so, so easy to find a way to be in the word every single day. So it starts with scripture. And then you pick a scripture and then you, you make some observations from it. You make some observations. This is kind of what I do, what I'm doing right now. So kind of what I'm asking you to do is you should write a sermon every single week. You should. And then you should share it with me and I'll go, great, you're preaching that weekend. <laughs> so it starts with scripture. This is where I always start. I just start with scripture. I start with scripture. And then I say, what are some observations? What are some observations? Well, here, man, Jesus is really repeating I abiding a lot. He just keeps saying, abide, 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 abide. So that must be important, right? Simple observations. These are things that, you know, I know. I have a, I'm a college-educated, you know, uh, pastor. You know, I went through all the training. You know, no, no, no. This is, anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. So it's scripture, making observations. What is it that keeps, that keeps being repeated? What is it that just jumps out at you? But you know what, what the Holy Spirit's really good at? The Holy Spirit's really good at revealing some things from the word that, that, that God wants to say to you while you're reading the word. It's not a, a history book. The Bible is not a history book. The Bible is God's breath on a page. It is living, it is active, and it wants to make an impact in your heart. When you open up the scriptures and you let God speak to you and you sh he shows you observations, this is what God's way of talking to you. And some of it, some of it, you may not want to hear it. And some of it you may hear and go, oh, I don't like that. That sounds hard. And God's going, hey, I'm the vine dresser. I want to do some pruning here. I want to do some pruning here. And then, it, but here's the thing. If all it becomes for us is scripture reading, observation, without application, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're, you, all, you're, all you're gathering is this knowledge, and you were able to make some observations from the Scripture, but if there's no application, there won't be any change that happens. If you don't take what, the, what God is saying to you and then put it to practice in your life, there's really no lasting change. Jesus is saying, hey, you want to abide in me, the true vine? You've got to be cleaned by my word. And how you're cleaned by my word is, I don't know, a good method called soap that we all use, hopefully. And it's scripture, and it's observation, and it's application, and it's prayer. It's prayer. God, I don't understand what this is saying. Yeah, take a picture. This is good. You've got to take a picture of this screen right here. This is a screensaver worth picture. It is. That's what it, it, it is. It is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. God, just reveal to me, show me, give me what you want me to do with the word 
that you gave to me today. It's one of the ways that we abide in him. We have to allow ourselves to be clean. Now, if you need help or assistance, we, I would be beyond blown away and happy to help you. If there's something in scripture that you don't understand and I don't know it, I'll point you in somebody's direction that does. But I'm just telling you, this is so important to us abiding in the true vine and getting the benefits of what it looks like to be connected to the true vine. It's being cleaned, being cleaned by his word. And we need soap to do that. We need soap to do that. The second observation of abiding is abiding is relying solely on what you can do and not on what you cannot do. Let me say that again. Abiding is relying solely on what you can do and not on what you cannot do. And Jesus said this in, in, in John, uh, John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So if we're not connected to the true vine, we can't bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, Jesus is the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus is saying, listen, there's nothing you can do that if you're, unless you're connected to me, you can't bear fruit. But here's, here's, the, here's the mindset that we need to have. Here's the mindset. We need to have the mindset of when it comes to the things of God, and when it comes to what God wants to do in and through you, we have to have the mindset of, I can, instead of, I can't. Aren't you glad that when we read the scriptures and we look back at the story of Noah, and God says to Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark because there's a flood that's going to come, and it's going to flood the whole earth, but it has to be big enough, and here are the measurements, it has to be big enough for all animals of the earth, two of, of each kind, to come and to be rescued from the flood that's coming to the earth. Aren't you glad that Noah said, I can't? Aren't you glad Noah said, I can? Now, there's no possible reason why Noah should have ever said, I can, other than he just took courage and he had faith that God was going to do through him that he knew he couldn't do on his own. Aren't you glad Abraham, when God came to Abraham and said, hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your own son. Aren't you glad that God said, or Abraham said, I can't. But he said, I, I will, I can, I can. How was somebody able to be willing to do that? Abraham had faith knowing. Abraham had so much faith in God. He believed that even if he sacrificed his own son, that God would resurrect him. Because God made a promise to him that through his seed, all the nations of this world was going to be blessed. Abraham had so much faith in God. And he was willing to do anything for God. Because he said, I can. He said, I can. I mean, let's keep talking. David, come on. God's like, hey, there's a giant in the valley. He's taunting all of my people. Hey, I want you to go, and I want you to take on that giant. You know, and, and, and David's like, I can. I can. I can. I, I, I'll take him on. Everybody else is going, you can't. You can't. You can't. And David's like, I can. And everybody else is going, you can't. And David's going, I can. Aren't you glad that David decided, I can 
Come on, Daniel. Hey, Daniel, I want you to bow down to this image. I want you to, everybody else is bowing down. You need to bow down too. And you need to stop praying. And you need to stop, you know, making a decree to your God. And you know what, you know what Daniel says? I'm not going to do that because I, I can. I can keep standing. When everybody else is bowing, I'm going to keep standing. When everybody else is bending a knee, I'm going to keep standing. I can. I mean, aren't you glad, Esther? When Mordecai came to Esther and said, Esther, I want you to go and talk to the king. Aren't you glad that Esther said, I can, I can. Aren't you glad when spies came in to scope out the promised land that Rahab had faith? She saw these spies and she knew that they were on God's side and nothing was going to stop God with what God wanted to do with his people. And Rahab the harlot decided to hide the two spies, the spies that came in. And everybody would have told Rahab, you can't, you can't, you can't. And Rahab's response was, I can. I can. Aren't you glad Mary, when an angel came to Mary, hey, are you willing to bear my son, you're going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Are you able, will you bear my son? And you know what Mary's response was? I can. I can. Come on. Men and women of faith, that's what it takes. Men and women of faith to say, not I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I can't change. I can't be better. I can't make a difference. I can't serve. I can't do this or that. I what if we decided to say, hey, God, whatever you want, I can. God, whatever you want to do, yes. God, wherever you want me to go, I can. God, whatever you want me to say, I can. God, whatever you want me to, you know, to live out, I can do it. God, whatever you want me to remove out of my life, I can do it. I can. I can. So instead of having... And I can't. I can. So, I know, it's cheesy, but you'll, you'll remember it. That's all that matters. It's just cheese and you remember. That's what makes a difference. It's, this is an I can. So every time you say, you know, we put our, our I can'ts in the I can't can, that doesn't make any sense. We say, I'm going to put I, all my thoughts, all my insecurities, all my shortcomings, all of my temptations, all of the change that I want, all the things that I want to experience for the, for the good and for better of my life, I'm going to put it in the, into the I can can. You should at home make an I can't and an I can can at home. And every time you have a negative thought, you just put that into the I can. Every time you think I can't do it, you say I can. Every time you think this, is, this isn't going to change, you say I can. Listen, God is in the business of I can. God is going to ask you to do something that you probably think I can't do, but with God, I can do. As a matter of fact, that's what the apostle Paul said. Hey, Paul, you used to be known as Saul. You used to be a persecutor of the church. Now you're going to 
work for me. And you're going to go and you're going to share the message of Jesus to all of the Gentiles of this world. And you know what Paul's response was? I can. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can. Oh, when it seems overwhelming and it's all mounting up against you and you think that that mountain's too big and that task is too hard or I don't have time or I don't have the resources or I, I and you just think I can't, we got to remember four, Philippians 4.13. I can. Not through me, I can't. Through me, I can't. Through him, I can. Through me, I can't. But through him, I can because he's going to be the one that strengthens me. That's, 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 that's where we have to have. This is abiding. This is what it looks like to abide. Hey, I can. You can. You can beat, you can beat that addiction. You can forgive. You, you, can, you can have have a better relationship. You can have time to serve. You can be generous. You can, you can do it through him. Through him who strengthens you. You can. Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So unless we're connected to him, we can't. But when we're connected to him, you can. You can. You can change. You can make a difference. You can beat whatever it is that is a stronghold in your life. You can do it. Listen to me. You can do it. Don't ever say, I can't. When God's in it, you can. You can. Third final thought. Abiding makes requests for opportunities to keep his commandment. Abiding makes requests for opportunities to keep his commandment. What do I mean by that? Look what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Boy, if we just stop right there, you could be like, oh, this is, a good, this is, good, this is good news. Like, whatever I ask, like, he'll give me. Like, he's a genie in a bottle, and I got, th- well, how many do I get? Three, five, what do I? What he means is this. Look, look what he means. So, verse 10, if you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. He says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. Those that abide in me, here's what Jesus is saying. Those that abide in me requests for opportunities to love someone else to love one another specifically. Those that abide in you say, God, God, would you give me an opportunity? God, here's what I'm asking because what I'm asking is not what 
is the desires of my heart. But God, what I'm asking is, what are the desires of your heart? And the desires of your heart, God, are for people. And if the, if the desires of your heart, God, are for people and to love one another, God, that's what, then I'm, what I'm asking for, opportunity. I'm asking you, God, to give me an opportunity to love someone today because that's what it looks like to abide in me. And God, would you give me an opportunity? God, would you give me a chance? God, would you give me a, 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 you know, you know, a, a time where I can spend with somebody to show them and to demonstrate the kind of love that Jesus exhibited and shown to me? That's what abiding looks like. It's God. Please give me that opportunity. Here's what it says in, in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. In other words, God has prepared opportunity for you and for me to love somebody. He's prepared an opportunity for you and for me to love somebody. As a matter of fact, here's what he's saying. You and I were created for that purpose. You exist, you were made to abide in the true vine. And a part of abiding in the true vine is to loving one another. And, it, and if you're not getting opportunity, God, it's asking God for God to give you opportunity. Why? Because that's why he made you. You're, you're created, you and I exist for that purpose, to love one another. That's why Jesus' commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. This is my one commandment. Go and do that. Go and do that. You're made for that purpose and no other purpose other than that. So Paul reminds us of something that's always necessary when it comes to doing good and to loving one another and loving our, our friends. It's easy to love our family. It's easy to pray for our family. It's easy to do things for our family, but it's harder to, to do things for our friends. And Jesus even took it to another level and says, you should do this for your enemies too. But he's saying, listen, this is what you're made for. You're made to love one another. It's a part of the what it means to abide in him. But here's what often happens, is when we start doing these things for others, in Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. So in other words, we get discouraged because we try to do good and it doesn't always seem to pan out or work out the way that we want it to. And so we get discouraged. He says, listen, don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't give up in doing good. For in due time, you will reap if we do not grow weary. He says, so then, verse 10, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Like we should look for opportunities and ask God for opportunities of how we can do good to someone else. All people, especially each other, especially each other. So why should you abide in Jesus? Why? Well, he's the true vine, and he wants you to bear fruit. But look what Jesus says of why you should abide in, in, in him. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Where's your joy level? Where's your joy level? If you want your joy level to be full, abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. He's the true vine. If you want your joy to overflow, abide in Jesus. What does that look like? Well, you got to be in his word and allow his word to clean you. What does that, what does that look like? It looks like saying, I can, instead of saying, I can't. What does that look like? Hey, God, would you give me opportunity to love somebody today? God, would you give me opportunity to do good for someone? Oh, God, I'm tired of doing it. Nobody seems to like it, but want it. Or, but don't grow weary in doing good. Why? So that your joy can be full. That's why. It's worth it. Let's pray. Father, the reason why we should take courage, you've overcome this world. Help us not to be connected to this earth, this world, to find, to identify false vines that so easily entangle us, that we get wrapped up in, caught up in, but that we abide and are connected to you, the true vine, the source of the fullness of joy. And we abide in you by being in your word. We abide in you by saying whatever it is that we hear from you, Lord, that we say we can instead of saying we can't. And we abide in you by just simply doing good and loving others. That's what you taught us. That's what you shared with us of what it means or what it would look like to have joy full. And in the midst of tribulations and troubles of this world, God, we need, we need a joy inside of us, a joy that is unspeakable, a joy that is full of glory that you provide. God, we thank you for offering yourself as the true vine that is, we as the branches can be connected to and abide in. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.